Mate, this is going to be awesome. It's not stayed to come down for that one. Hit him, hit him. It's more than just a hobby, it's who we are. Cracker. That's why we hunt. Welcome to the Educated Hunter Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Ultimate OE. As most of you would know, Curran and I run a business called Ultimate OE. We specialise in sending young Kiwis and Aussies to Canada and Scotland to work in the hunting industry. Applications for next hunting season, so 2020, both in Canada and Scotland, are now open. As hunters, we're not often happy with inauthentic experiences. We're always looking for something adventurous, more exciting and more unique. Same goes for overseas experiences. We deliver once-in-a-lifetime opportunities, working for the best outfitters in Canada and the best hunting estates in Scotland. Our train-before-you-go setup means that we can secure all the best jobs with the best employers, with the best people in the best spots, all ahead of time, because they know you're going to turn up with the knowledge and skills to hit the ground running when you get there. If you're interested in an OE in Canada or Scotland next year based around hunting in the mountains, it doesn't get much better in my opinion. If you think you might be interested or just want to learn a little bit more about what we do, feel free to get in touch. You can get us on email at ultimateoemail at gmail.com. You can flick us a PM on Facebook or Instagram, either through the Educated Hunter or Ultimate OE pages. Either will work, whatever blows your hair back. Enjoy the show. Tonight, I'm catching up with Ben Tumata. Ben is the guy that would, I guess become an overnight sensation for the Big Game Hunting New Zealand Facebook page. Uh, so a few years ago, he really sort of, I guess, took hold of the opportunity and and grew hunting on the social stage uh, considerably, up to 80,000 plus uh, followers. So we obviously chat about social media and, and what it is he does now in that form, but we also cover the key topics of his hunting and guiding in the South Island currently. We talk about his latest adventure which was an over-the-counter tag in the states and now his new business in the form of mia tents um, so yeah really cool chat it was great to catch up with ben now that he's a south islander it might mean that we do a bit more hunting together so that'd be cool but uh enjoy the podcast that should be good enough we're ready to go <laughs> look at him he's under pressure uh so sitting on the couch with ben today i guess actually most of our listeners will probably know ben from well not a previous life but what was big game hunting New Zealand but before we get to that stage of his life where whereabouts the hunting start for you Ben? Um, I grew up in a small place called Taipei and there's not a hell of a lot to do in Taipei besides shearing sheep and going hunting so the old man would take us out every weekend and um, yeah with the uh, cousins and uncles and yeah it kind of grew from there. Mm-hmm. Was it mainly deer up there? Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, a lot of seeker deer, um, reds. Um, uncle had a place out on the Napier Taipei Road, so we'd go out there a bit. Maybe going out there as a four year old with the old man spotlighting off the road. <laughs> but, <laughs> Back um, when that was okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You wouldn't do that these days, but um, yeah, so we just would hunt out there and around the Hite Bush and the Kaimanawas and a few mm-hmm. stations through there and just grew from there, really. So, and your your old man and your uncle were sort of like your mentors, I guess? Yeah, yeah. The old man definitely got us into it. Yeah, my uncle, yeah, who's uh, 
cousin of mine, Glenn, he still hunts a lot out there. And yeah, so I would say they were pretty much my mentors and kind of got me started at least. And mm-hmm. as I got a bit older, the old man kind of got a bit more into fly fishing and my hunting obsession kind of grew and grew and grew and I kind of just did my own thing then and yeah. just got into Started it. Started kicking around with mates that were... Yeah, yeah, well. yeah. Well, I remember being at high school and we'd every school holidays would save up any money we had and we'd do a flying trip as 16-year-olds. And That's pretty good, eh? The olds would drive from Wellington or Upper Hutt in our little laser and <laughs> drive up there, four of us, and jump in one of those air charter Telfo planes and fly in and yep. spend all our holidays in there and yeah, right. see what we could shoot. That's pretty cool, eh? At 16. Do, do those guys still hunt? Yeah, yeah, well, sort of yeah, they kind of got kids now and probably don't do as much as we used to, but a couple of them are still pretty, pretty yeah, full yeah. on hunting. And yeah, life takes over at some point, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. It catches up on you. And, <laughs> but we would kind of just go in there and it was just a boys' trip, really. We'd have, have a bit of fun and we'd normally shoot a few deer and we all had open sight 303s and we had no money, so we just had whatever we could get, you know? Yeah, bullets were come on. Yeah, yeah, there wasn't been many bullets. Yeah. Um, but the first time we went, yeah, we shot, I think we shot four deer. We shot one each, and I shot one on the runway, which was nice. <laughs> did I, big's my carry. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. Yeah, it kind of just grew from there, and yeah, yeah got right. into it a bit more. That's good, man. So then, from there, you know, because I, I don't want to just jump straight into Big Game Hunting New Zealand, but then obviously, um, you looked across different species and different hunting across New Zealand and so forth. Yeah, I kind of was based in the, obviously the North Island and Upper Hutt and we would, it was just all deer really. It wasn't until I was probably early 20s before I even considered going tar hunting. Um, but yeah, it was all seeker, we'd always go after seeker and there was reds around where we lived and obviously pigs, um, it ran dogs for a bit there. But yeah, it just wasn't until a little bit later that I kind of got into the South Island stuff and really wanted to chase big red stags so it mm-hmm. seemed to be the place to do it down here yeah yeah certainly yeah. is so from that then big game hunting stuff like when you started that like yep. as in the social media page yep. that they were sharing other hunt pictures so back in that form like that was kind of groundbreaking really yeah at that yeah. time yeah it was kind of i think it, when was that it would have been 2012 13 yeah, I kind of just started that Facebook page with the idea of a few mates. We kind of didn't live in the same area, and back then not everyone had picture phones and all that kind of stuff, so you could we could share photos of our mm-hmm. hunts, um, and obviously I'd made the page public, and then it kind of just started growing and growing and growing, and at one point I was getting a 1,000 likes a day on the page or something. I just, it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was before Facebook kind of had all that algorithm to slow everything down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, there was a lot of overseas hunters and all sorts. But, um, yeah, it just kind of spiraled, really, and just yeah, grew no, and grew it was and amazing. Grew. I remember, I think it was a stuff article, but maybe it was the paper, and I remember you got to, like, 80,000 likes. and Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it was. Um, pretty phenomenal, really. Yeah, some, I actually just had an interview with a local paper where I lived, and they just wanted to have a yarn about the page and what I was doing and that, and... And then someone, it must have got shared onto stuff, I don't know how, but it, we ended up on stuff and then some of the people started sending it to me and then, yeah, it kind of... Overnight celebrity. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> but um, yeah, just kind of, I guess it grew the page a bit as well. And, yeah. Yeah, um, no, when I remember, obviously because I followed it back then, like I remember the the international followership that came in mm. um, and that would have been, 
I mean, we've always had international hunters come to New Zealand, but like I think it really highlighted Kiwis as hunters. Like I think it was a yeah. it was an amazing tour. Or maybe not Kiwis as hunters, but the freedom we have to hunt. Yeah, you know, because it was like, geez, yeah. how come these guys? Like one guy might put a stag up one week and then a pig the next week, and then yeah. just so yeah. much repetition from some guys. It was like, geez. I was just like, uh, I just get flooded with pictures. Yeah, um, all sorts, and I I tried to keep it um, as positive as possible. So I tried to only really show like it was sometimes a young fellow would shoot an awesome stag, but he's got his guns pointed at himself or yeah. guts out everywhere, and uh, you know he kind of. He just kind of, kind of had a bit of a social responsibility to kind yeah. of make sure that what we were showing was um, ethical and kind of promoted hunting a bit and just mm-hmm. made it a bit more accepting. I mean, in New Zealand, we're lucky because it is really well accepted mm. well, outside of Auckland. But, um, yeah, currently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I just tried to do that and would get would get sent photos every hour almost, you know. Yeah. Just chuck them up when I could and. Yeah, trying to run that and work and stuff was. Did you fun. did you have any idea it was going to get to that scale? Like, was no, it was no. it an intention or was it just? No, a, no, just absolutely no idea. Yeah. Like, I remember when I first started it um, at Christmas. I started it maybe in October or something, and then at Christmas I had like five hundred people, and I was like, "Holy shit! Like, this full on. <laughs> like, what's going on here?" Yeah. And then, um, yeah, within maybe six months, there was twenty thousand, and then it just grew and grew and grew and. Yeah, I, I couldn't manage it to be honest. Yeah, it was just yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. But um, oh, it was good. It was great for promoting hunting and great to show other people. Yeah, how lucky we are down here. No, it was awesome. Like I'm obviously fairly entrepreneurial myself, and I just thought it was awesome that you know another hunter had found an opportunity, whether he directed himself yeah. at it or not, but and came about it and, and started putting content out there. It was, you know, yeah, yeah. And I had a lot of my own stuff that I like to share and. Well, I thought it was a great platform, like particularly with our mates, we were just kind of, we could show each other what was going on. And, mm. um, but yeah, it just kind of kind of grew into a platform for others really, to yeah. so others could share their photos and I could share and run competitions and we had lots of, we'd get given stuff all the time to give away, so that was mm. great. And yeah, no, it was cool. Just it, was the, it was the first social element of hunting, I feel, yeah. especially well, that I was aware of anyway. And, but Jesus, I don't know if you could do it nowadays or nah, start it cold nah, again anyway. No, nah, well, not without a lot of money. And, <laughs> yeah, money and, and work and yeah, and probably a lot more editing, eh? Like you'd yeah. have to really. The thing now have with Facebook, and, as you would know, it's kind of like they would. It got to the point where they, they would send me emails and messages and say, "We've shown fifteen percent of your audience mm-hmm. a photo." If you want the rest to see it, it's five hundred dollars, and it yeah, goes yeah, up yeah. from there. And it's just like, I mean, this is a community page. Like, yeah, yeah. this is just for people to share their photos. Like, nobody's yeah. paying to put their photo up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no, exactly. um, yeah, it just was. Yeah, Facebook kind of slowed everything down for everyone. Really, but. So, from that big game hunting New Zealand is still your brand. Yeah. And what what do you use the social page for now? Really? To be honest, I don't do a lot on. On Facebook these days, so I kind of just got a bit sick of Facebook, to be honest. But I still do a lot on Instagram, and I kind of, I kind of, as part of what happened there, I kind of um, created a bit of a customer base, I guess, for guiding. Mm-hmm. So I did quite a lot of that, and I mainly just use it for that kind of kind of stuff now. Just yep. growing the guiding business and showing future clients or past clients their photos and stuff. Yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a smart like it's a, it's a gap. 
that I see a lot of people still failing at. Like they're running social media and they've got a lot of likes or follows, yeah. but they don't actually have any hard databases. And yeah. you need the databases. Like yeah. your likes aren't worth anything. And it was, I guess, with what I was really lucky with is we never, all our stuff was organic. Yep. So like the actual people on there were actually real people, whereas yep. you know you can literally go out and buy 10,000 likes tomorrow if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was really good for advertising hunts or advertising anything really. Before Facebook cut it back. But yeah, I mean I got a lot of work out of it and it yep. kind of started my whole guiding business really. So well, we'll go to that because I'll come back to the the social stuff again later. But So that's what you do now in terms of your hunting. Like I know you've got a day-to-day real job, but... Yeah, yeah, so I do... Yeah, I just I'm trying to guide just from March to to July and just through the main season, but I end up doing quite a few meat hunts and spring hunts and stuff like that. But because um, you started doing some meat hunts back in the original big game hunting days. Yep. Yeah, I was like, doing a few um, then, and then it kind of grew into a bit more trophy stuff. And I was still working at the time; it was quite a lot going on. Yeah. Um, the last couple of years, I've I haven't been doing an well, working a nine to five, I've just been hunting really, which mm-hmm. has been good and bad. I've been spending a lot of time away from the family, and yeah. which yeah has has its. It gets hard, man. Yeah, like sure. I'm, I'm much the much the same. Everyone keeps asking me what trip I'm doing this year, or and I'm like I'm just getting old. Like yeah, yeah. life's taking over yeah. now. Like you know, and but yeah. it's um. So your and your guiding is free range. Yeah, we yep. We're, I guess there's not many of us, um, but my, yeah. the likes of myself and Joe, uh, probably, well, there's probably a couple of others, but I only do free range. Being, I have guys wanting to do high fence stuff, but I just kind of push them to the high fence operators. Yep. It's not my gig. I'd, to be honest, I'd rather go back and work as a sparky for, yep. for a, you know, it just doesn't doesn't float my boat that much. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. So how long, if you're with these genuine free range hunts, how long are your clients out for? Uh, generally a week. Yeah, well, if we're doing a trophy hunt, yeah, I'd try and say to them, look, allow a week. It could happen on day one, it could happen on day seven. It's hunting. You know what it's like. It might um, not happen. Yeah, it might not happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And get fit. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think the experience they have and what they take away from it is far greater than what I could give them in a, in a high fence. It's just, the guys just leave pumped. Most of them come back the following year or yep. two years they're talking about it forever, and it's just a yeah, yeah, yeah. adventure, you know. No, that's all. so. Is it? I mean, obviously, thankfully, per luck, I guess you know you had the good fellowship from Big Game Hunting Facebook. But like, how hard is it for you to get clients um, to do genuine free range? Yeah, there's definitely a market out there. Yep. Um, it's definitely not like the high fence market. I think the market would be a lot bigger if. Um, Overseas hunters were a bit more educated, and they actually understood that yeah. you don't but listen the to the terminology was corrected. Uh, yeah, well, you, yeah. you hear about some of these uh, US hunters on other podcasts saying, you know, there's no free range hunting, or there's no free range stags and stuff. But you kind of just laugh, you know, because yeah. they literally have no idea. And you've got to kind of, unless they do, if they do have an idea, it's quite easy to kind of say, look, this is what we can do, and they're all keen. Yeah. But if they're coming in from, I've seen these stags, you know, this is what I'm thinking I'd like to shoot, I'm just like, mate, this yeah, is enough. I haven't got them on a plate and yeah. just dish them up, you know. Like, yeah, and there is, like, because I actually sat on a plane just this last month or whatever when I flew out of Whitehorse with... Um, three guys from the States and they wanted to commit to New Zealand so it was just conversational at that point and and they fully understood it yeah they were like well actually they didn't fully understood it stand it they they fully understood the difference between free range and yeah 
I guess not. But where they still had a lapse was they're like, why do they even have the fences? Because you don't have predators. Like because they their comparatives yeah, yeah, yeah. were still at home. Yeah. And um, so it was quite interesting that, that you know they don't even have the whole background on our industry. I think it's just been um, drummed into them, to be honest, over yeah. years and years of the, sh- the likes of the shot shows and ECI shows and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, you'd be struggling to find a free range outfitter there. Um, the money's not in the free range stuff, it's as simple as that, I guess. And yeah. the high events guys are there, and I think the market's been been developed just for that type of hunter, really. Yeah. I mean, there's not many sports where you can be. 60 completely overweight and still get to be, be successful the number one well, in the world at quote unquote you know. successful <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's um i i yeah. i myself though have a a belief could be wrong here that with all the uh i guess anti-hunting or uninformed hunter pressure coming on anybody that's in the hunting industry sci at some point could be well forced into actually segregating what is a true wild animal yep. versus not. 100%. And at that point, all of a sudden, you free range guys <laughs> could be, you know what I mean? Like I'll be broken by then. So yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, maybe the next generation. But you know what I mean? Like Because there's all those, once you get into that, I guess, demographic of hunter, like the Weatherby hunters and that, yep. that, are, that are doing all these specific animals, like as soon as they change that restriction on yeah. what does or doesn't classify there, then... yeah. You could find yourself pretty busy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it probably wouldn't be a bad thing, to be honest. It creating a bit of value in a recreational hunt where, at the moment, it deems to be no value, you yeah. know, from yeah. a management side of things. So yeah. uh, it's probably something I'd like to see. Um, even, I've, I've always been, uh, have my recreational hunting views before guiding. I'd, I'd much prefer to see a well-managed herd and I'd give up got in and go and hunt myself you know Um, but yeah it's a a real tricky one it's a real tricky one and I I definitely you know like I I don't high sense hunting doesn't interest me but I understand why it's there I understand arguably the need for it Um, because definitely as a group of hunters we can't segregate from each other and and don't want them We're, we're too small a demographic as it is so I think it's kind of a case of we need to be openly comfortable with our own views and realise that they're not. It's not hate talk against the guys that have high fence. It's just not what yeah. you do. It's, so, yeah, it's a real tricky one. Like kind of defining hunting. It's so broad. Yeah. Um, so the the thing that concerns me is that eventually the people that well, and it's happening now, but the people that make the calls on on hunting itself are people that don't hunt mm-hmm. and they're going to eventually look and at the moment they probably don't fully understand how a high fence works but eventually when they do and they kind of realise that we're letting animals go so we can go and kill them it doesn't sit that well with me and I'm kind of concerned that they're going to look at that and kind of throw us all in the same bucket and say you're all just a bunch of rednecks and (laughs) what are you doing Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know like it's yeah it's not so much about the hunt anymore it's about killing and and so yeah, and all that because because we always you know like I think as a as a defence, and I've, re- I've read an article about this. Like as a defence, we sort of try and drag up the conservation words and the good free range organic meat and all those sort of yeah. good words to sound good with what we're doing. Yeah, but little of that actually happens. Yeah, like, yeah, or, or could tie with it, particularly here. Yeah, it's just it's it's a tricky one because, like you say, we we can't afford to be. 
we don't like them, we don't like no, them, you geez, know, no. we're just not in that position, but it's kind of striking that balance and kind of having some common goals, I guess, of yeah. what we want to achieve. And yeah, yeah, just, which is a big deal. In yeah, itself. yeah, so, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, 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 there's definitely a, a massive market for high fence hunting here, and mm-hmm. it's a huge industry, it makes a lot of money. Yeah. It'd be just great yep. to see some of that money go back into hunting, hunting. as a whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, big topic. Big topic. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and that's a mix of stag, shamitar? Yeah, we mainly just do, I do quite a lot of ghetto inquiries for free range stags. Yep. And tar, do quite a bit of tar. Not do a few chamois, but not a lot. Um, I actually think the stags are probably what I like to do the most. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's a bloody tough, t- uh, tough hunt, the old stags. Are, yeah, yeah. It's um, especially a free range public land stag. Uh, it's, it's on public on private land. It's a whole different ball game. But I do enjoy those big big public land free range stag hunts. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah. We try and push those if we can, but they can be hit and miss. You yep. know what it's like. So you do a lot of. Pre-season scouting and so forth, or you just oh, sort of run on so much um, historic. Yeah, just kind of. I've been fortunate that I've done a lot of hunting for stags in the past, kind of five or six years, um, and I've kind of worked up a bit of a database where mm-hmm. I've seen stags and where they tend to hang out, and or seen stags with a bit of potential that if they survive the helicopters, I can go back there. Or whatever. and you've seen a good percentage of that you know like yeah, I've been seeing in the last few years. I've seen some exceptional stags, and you've seen them come through like sort of I guess from. Good tens and twelves to better yeah. tens and twelves, or yeah, I have. Um, but generally, I find like anything that's four years old, if he's not showing twelve points already, he's not going to be. Not you know? gonna like, be. Yeah, I, I've seen like you'll see those little twelves, yep. and then you'll go right. He's going to be a big stag. You'll see a four or five year old ten pointer, and I'm kind of like, well, I'm not holding much hope for him, you know. But it depends on the area too. You just mm-hmm. some produce better heads. It's yeah. just. We've had a couple of good springs the last couple. Yeah, so, definitely. You know, I remember last year was a really good, um, really good spring for velvet. And but yeah, it's also yeah, it's just tricky. Eh? Like it's yep. finding. I guess finding an area with that it doesn't have a lot of pressure. Good feed, you know. It's kind of the just Eldorado. out of walking range with somebody <laughs> yeah. else. Yeah, yeah, and it's and then there might be only two stags living in that whole spot. You know, yeah. and finding them on that day when the weather's good. And do you, do you hunt them in the raw as well? Was it yeah, sort of get a no, bit? we do. We do yeah. a bit in the raw. I try and avoid the public land with hunters in the raw, um, just because it's so busy. Yeah. Try and go down the private route. Yeah. On a yeah. couple of big stations, but yeah, yeah, I'm hoping to do a bit more hunting for myself soon. Well, in the next <laughs> few years, but it doesn't always work <laughs> sort out. Sort of an way. ambition for everybody. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that's I, right. I try and do a bit more in the summer. Yeah. Do a bit of scouting, and, and I can actually do a hunt for myself and have a look around and see what's knocking about and. Maybe get one if I'm lucky, or it's right. You don't want to save them for the clients sometimes. <laughs> Depends <laughs> actually, what you're looking um, at. Yeah. yeah, well, I had one a few a few years ago, it was actually after the raw, and it was probably the biggest stag I'd seen on public land. And the guy wasn't that keen to shoot it, it was three K away. I was like, mate, let's just do it. He's like, oh, how am I gonna get it, get it home? I was like, if, honestly, if you don't shoot it, I'm gonna shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, okay, okay, let's go. <laughs> so we teared off over there, but um. Yeah, it was a big 16, I think. 15. Yeah, right. But, um, and he carried it out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was just up in the tussock. Yeah, All nice. I could see was his antlers just sticking out through the top of the tussock. Nice. Snuck over the air and got to 270, I think. 260. Missed the first three shots. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tilly. <laughs> and, um, yeah, no, he put him on the deck and sorted him out and got back to camp. And, yeah, man. 
they, cool. Yeah, you'd never regret it after that. No, you never regret it post, eh? Yeah, it was, yeah, no, it was a good hunt, eh? Jumping back to social media now. So you do most of it on Instagram now? Yeah, most I do most of, your, of my bigger hunting stuff. stuff. Yep. Yep. Um, I just find Instagram a lot more engaging and easier to use. Yep. I don't have to piss around too much and write big, massive yarns. Yeah, yeah. I can just chuck up, whack up a photo when I get a chance. And yep. all the story's good for, you know, like if I'm doing a hunt and I've got a bit of signal, people seem to enjoy those. I get mm-hmm. when I was in the States, I did one and had like, Hundred messages from people I didn't even know. You yeah, know, yeah, just yeah. people sending me photos of them out in their backyard with their bow, and which is pretty cool. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. I just prefer to use Instagram now. It's just easier, yeah. and just with Facebook with the algorithms and yeah. stuff like that. I just, I've started finding myself, and it's probably just because I'm, I'm pretty, well, I'm old. I'm certainly older, but I'm old school too. Like I'm now when I'm on Instagram, I'm just finding it for whatever something's changed in my head, and now I just see it basically like a fucking advert directory people are, <laughs> it is man. everybody's all it is. got some product they're trying to push or yeah. somebody's giving them something and it's just ad after ad after ad then you'll see someone's dinner and then it's their oh, cat and, yeah, and i'm just like i'm sick of it i'm yeah. like I'm, and now so i'm just so lazy on it and and it's also the whole negativity's crept in with me and everyone was like oh because of the hunt i just didn't care like are you gonna do an insta story and i'm like no <laughs> and they're like why not i was like get out of the times mate yeah but i'm just like i don't want to walk around the hill and go this would be good content from an Insta story. Yeah, like, I want to be yeah. going, I wonder if there's a sheep there, or fuck, this is yeah. cool country, or man, this is hard work. Like, I want to be living the in, in actual the experience versus shit, this would be really good content for everybody else to think they're living this experience. Like, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm just not like buying that. into it. And I don't, like, it's bad because business wise, it would probably help if I did more, but. Oh, yeah, those stories, people seem to love them. Eh? Like, I guess for me, I'm, I'm normally not behind the gun. Yeah. So it kind of. A lot of the hunters like to see their videos, and, and I'll often film a hunt completely for them, or for myself, and edit it for YouTube and stuff. But when I get a chance, but um, yeah, it's, it's I just whip the phone out sometimes and have a bit of a yarn yeah, yeah. And tell them what's yeah. going on, and the people would send you messages. Oh, I mean, like I felt like we were there, you know. Like I guess it's quite cool to share that. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. Like, I, yeah, I'm so not bagging it. I just haven't got my head around it. <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. But what, so, what do you think will be the next one? Because Instagram surely isn't far away from yeah, well, Facebook own, yeah, 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 Facebook and Instagram. So I, I don't know, man. I think well, it's Instagram's a bit disturbing with every second photo is blocked. Yeah, you know, and and you open it up and it's a piece of meat. Yeah, like it's, yeah, really. You know, like you could, oh, it just does my head in. But I, I think yeah, something will come up. Someone always invents something. But yeah, I'm not sure. I can't really see anything on the horizon at the moment. But yeah, Facebook kind of come out of nowhere. And would would be good to see something still, just for hunters. Yeah, I've got some friends in that that use still use WhatsApp because you can send bigger videos and stuff yeah. like that. But I don't know. yeah, I have used a little bit, but not a lot. I think it's more for messaging, though, rather than I think so. Yeah, yeah, kind of sharing stuff. Every single one of those has got the ability to change, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, if you can yeah. already send videos, then yeah, then, uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a powerful tool, but it's um. Yeah, it's kind of not for everyone, but it's good for business for me. Yeah. Um, oh, it's good for business for us too. I'm yeah. just lazy with it. Yeah. Matthew will be cringing. People would have loved to have watched that hunt. Oh, I know. You wouldn't You wouldn't have to get much either. You just take a few 10-second clips, you know, even if you you did it all or filmed it all and then you just upload it when you obviously when you get to yeah. the rece- reception. Just 
two videos for each day. With, the guys that hunt with me and listen to this will just be like, Kern, <laughs> you, you, you couldn't do it because your phone's that old. It. Like, as soon as I get out in the cold, it just dies because the battery's cold. Yeah. So even though I filmed the, the moose kill, Ross's moose, moose kill on my phone through the Spondoscope, and I was like, oh, I'll film it, guys. And they left to go and hunt, pulled out my phone, and it was flat, so I had to jam it down my shirt and try and heat it oh, up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah they'll, the they'll just be cringing. The raw, my raw footage this year was terrible because the phone just kept dying because of the cold. And then by mid-afternoon, it was warm enough to film something. It was booming hot blue skies. They don't have iPhone 3s anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all right. It still suits me. Yeah. So you touched on your states hunt this year. Where was yep. that? Um, I went over to Idaho. Yeah, and we hunted elk, um, public land. Just over, over the counter. Over, yeah. Yeah, so I was fortunate a few years ago. I, well, I didn't guide I just knew a guy and I took him out for a car hunt from Montana, actually. And um, he kind of said, just whenever you want to come over, come over. And I thought, bugger, this year I'll go. Mm-hmm. And um, I went over there and, yeah, I've just bought a tag and got on. So you literally just, in terms of process for the Kiwi listeners now, Thinking, thinking about this sort of hunt, you obviously do a little bit of ha- homework on area and stuff before you left. Yeah, yeah. Well, we knew we'd have to hunt over the counter. Um, just purely Idaho and Colorado are probably your best place to hunt if you don't have points or yeah. as a Kiwi, you just want it easy. It's, it's really unknown, you know. Mm-hmm. You kind of so Idaho, Colorado is the two best probably. Uh, excuse me. You can um, literally buy tags over the counter. Um, so it means they they're fishing game. You just log onto their website and and buy a tag off them. There's a few little hoops you got to jump through, like for archery season, which is the first month. Well, and that's what you chose to archery, do. Yeah, yep. only purely because it was a bugle, and I wanted to yep. hear them bugle. I could have. It would have been a much easier hunt with the rifle, hundred percent. But um, would would the I mean, obviously, because when you're in the bugle and the the balls are moving. Would, do you think based on the country and the way you could look at the country, would it have still been, would yeah. you still have seen a good amount of animals with the oh, rifle? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, still would have been some tough shooting, like it was quite open and getting getting close to some of the bigger bulls I've seen would have been difficult. But in saying that, I, I mean, I shot two and I lost one, but with the bow, so I think with the gun you'd get it done pretty easy. Um, well, not pretty easy, but it would so have when been you, a, a when you experience. lost one, which is obviously unfortunate, but... So there's no repercussions for that. It's just sort of no. So I had a chat because I had some signal and I had a chat to the to the American fellow I knew, and he said, "Look, you've just got to put in a solid effort and try and find it." And I said, "Yeah, right." So I spent the next two days pretty much, yeah, um, from from first light till dark, just grid searching. I had an app on my phone, just going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. Done this one massive gully, and then couldn't find anything. So I went into the next gully and couldn't find anything. After two days, I was like, oh. Like I've I've tried. You've given it a decent uh, go, yeah. And I was confident by that stage if he was dead, I I thought I would have found him. Um, well, the crows or ravens and stuff yeah, come in and make yeah. a bit of noise. It was pretty open the the bush too. Like even if he was belly up, like they're so such big animals and the cream, they're like white. They just stick out like dogs, mm. you know. Um, we didn't. I obviously never found him, um, which was really disappointing because he was a really nice bull and. But yeah, I was fortunate enough on the last day I found another one, so it was good. But hell of a hunt. Yeah, you, you enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh, I'll be going because you've done you've done for a comparative for our New Zealand guys. You've done Fiordland. Yeah. And now you've done an international elk. Yeah. Like what? How do they compare? Oh, just completely different. Um, like we, we when we we arrived, it was thirty six degrees, 
just a completely it was dry like I actually ended up shooting my ball and running shoes yeah it was just it was the ground was that hard it was too, my boots were smashing my feet it was just so sore so I ditched the ditched the boots and went shoes and that was the best thing I could have done really but and I mean to be honest it's um it's probably by the time you book a if you're coming from the North Island to go to Fiordland by the time you book a ferry and pay for your helicopter and all your gear and your food you'd you'd go to Idaho or Colorado for the same money probably yeah yeah um, or you know save for a couple of years and just do one yeah, every three years yeah. or something like that I mean yeah. we saw sure, we must have seen 300 elk every day we're stalking elk yeah and we seen we saw bear we didn't see mountain lions heaps of tracks um, mountain goats all sorts like mm-hmm. and you brought the skull back with you I actually left it there because on the last I shot him on the last day and then we had one day in town I didn't have time to boil him out and then we yeah. went out and bloody got on the person so didn't have time yeah, yeah. so got, I'm hopefully I'm going to go back next September oh yeah and um, I'd like to try and do it every year or every maybe every second year it's such a cool hunt and yeah and really enjoyed it um, and so like logistic wise from you just hired a vehicle or yeah, did we you have your friends to, all that sort of things? No, no, we, I hired a, I hired a Dodge Ram, of all things. <laughs> Case of heaven, too. Yeah, got to <laughs> do the American stuff. You did it different to us. We hired a smaller three Ford Fiesta we could. We, we barely got us in there. Oh, yeah, no, we, yeah, this, this truck was really good. Um, so, yeah, we just, we booked, so we kind of planned it all in June. It was kind of late, so our flights were a little bit expensive, but we, um, we bought our tags so Idaho had a had a, a limit on non-resident tags. So it had thirteen thousand non-resident tags. They went on sale from July, uh, June, even May maybe. And then it was just once they sold out, they sold out. There's no mm-hmm. more over-the-counter tags. So we got an early bought those. We had to do an online course for our um, bow education, which was yep. thirty dollars. And then we literally um, booked our flights, booked a car. Flew to Salt Lake City, or flew to LA, I think, on the way. Salt Lake, then drove from Salt Lake up to Idaho, which was about six hours. Mm-hmm. And yeah, moved into it. And then just walked in? Yeah, we kind of full drived in. I caught up with um, the American fella, Zach. Yeah. Really, really good dude. We There's no way we could have. Well, we, we were quite fortunate that he kind of had been in the area before. And he so this of, is the guy that you met? Yeah, the yeah, American right, I'd yeah, taken yeah. tar hunting. And he stayed with us for the first four days, just kind of helped us get set up and what to do and what not to do and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and left us a Glock and disappeared. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, we were into it, and there was just we four drove in, set up a base camp, set up the um, the MIA tent because I'd sent one over for him. Oh, yeah, cool. And um, yeah, we just based out of that, and we kind of hunted in an area for maybe two days, and then pack up and drive to another area and look because yeah. it was really open so you could get up on a ridge and you could glass I don't know 5k away maybe 6k away yeah. and you'd looking across multiple ridges you'd see elk on all of them but then you, you could go on these they had these amazing apps for mapping and you'd drive around and come around into a different ridge and hunt in that area and yeah it's a massive amount of public land like just phenomenal yeah a really really cool place to go and was there restrictive in there as to like with your meat and all that like uh, so Idaho we you have to carry out all meat. Well, not everything. I think it's just front quarters, back steaks, eye fillets, and back legs. Well, that's yeah. what I carried out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Zach had told me, just don't worry about the neck meat, but everything else, get that. So, yeah, it was three three big loads. Um, 
and the pack was so it was kind of the limit on how far you could hunt yeah but to be honest man like i was that keen or yeah if i'd shot it half a day away i still would have shot it and just taken my time the job yeah yeah. and just done it over a couple of days you know butchered it and gone back because do you have to like like the canada we've got to leave the trophy there until the meat's out yeah Oh right, yeah. I didn't. I'd I carried the head back yeah. and <laughs> first one back out. leg yeah. on the first. So I, had, I was using a stone glacier pack. It was an unreal pack. But anyway, yeah. you can shove a meat or anything in this load shelf down the back of it. I just shoved the whole back leg in there. But I had I had the rump on and everything, and I couldn't stand up. Yeah. So I cut the rump off the top, left that with the rest, and I managed to get up, put the head on, carried that back to camp, ran into um, my mate Anthony, who I'd gone over with. He'd gone off somewhere else. That's another story. But he came back and helped me, and we did two more loads and um, carried it out. Yeah, good. That's good. Cool. Yeah, it was. It was pretty. I ended up butchering it by myself because I'd shot it, and then I I saw the arrow sticking out the other side of him, and he ran off up the hill, and then I went back down to find Anthony to let him know I'd shot one, and because we'd split up, we we're hunting different spots. I told him and went back up there, and we started looking for blood, and I found one tiny little drop, like. I don't know the size of a ten cent piece. That was it on a little rock, and I was a bit concerned. I'd hit him a bit high, but I knew because I was shooting uphill that I must have hit at least one lung. I could see the arrow as he ran off. The arrow was sticking out his opposite shoulder, or just behind the shoulder, and I was like, "No, nah, he's, he's got to be dead." So I kind of took me about an hour, but I did a big lope and I come round and I just stumbled across him, belly up mm-hmm. behind one of those trees they have over there. Yeah, those spruce, or yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, I've never been so relieved or yeah, yeah. emotional. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Man, it's that bow hunting stuff work. It was um, yeah, it was an awesome feeling. So yeah, yeah, I butchered them by myself and got all the meat laid out, carried what I could back to camp and got Anthony and went back and got the meat mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then we packed it out. Yeah. Were the um, were, were predators much of a thing uh, there? I was pretty paranoid. Like I was just because new to it. Yeah, I was just kind of like the first night we got there. We just drove into the middle of the bush and in the timber they call it and set up camp and the two Yanks they were just sleeping on the ground. I was like, these guys are fucking mad. There's no way I'm sleeping on the ground. So anyway, we ended up sleeping on the back of the truck. But then I was like, fuck! If the bear's coming, he's going to come straight over the top of the tray. He's just going to see me there, and I'm going to be fucked. So I had the Glock <laughs> right next to me, sleeping there. Then by the end of the trip, I was you Couldn't didn't even more think. Yeah. But when I went back to get the meat, I was thinking like the meat had been there on the ground butchered for maybe three hours and I was like maybe there could be something there so I kind of snuck in there to have a look I was a bit more concerned with snakes at the start but I didn't see any snakes um yeah I, I think the black bears are fine like you're, yeah. you're pretty sweet but I was we ran into a guy who said that he'd seen a grizzly in that spot oh like a year or two ago or something and that kind of got me all paranoid again Kept the Glock handy, <laughs> but um, yeah, I we only saw one bear and it ran away. But we we could have shot black bear um, or mountain lion with our elk tag, so you can pick. Um, but I always wanted a an elk, so yeah, yeah. I, I think, think that that's the sort of thing us Kiwi hunters sort of take for granted and get complacent with. But it's something you need to put some emphasis on when you start hunting internationally. If there's something you want to hunt, you've got to put your time to hunting it. Yeah. Like you can't just sort of go there. Well, I might do a beer and I might do an elk yeah. and like because all of a sudden you sort of you've divided your time, you've divided your energy, and the reality is like you're looking at a whole day worth of work at least to get the meat. Yeah. It's not like here in New Zealand, take the head off a stag. Oh, man, that's such as you would know, like 
I was blind. It was like a horse with antlers, eh? Like, they were like dwarfed any red stag. Like a, a elk spiker was probably the size of a big red stag, a big South Island high country red stag, you know? Like, there was so much meat. And I, I was by myself trying to butcher them. I couldn't even roll them over. Yeah. And I, had, I was using a um, a detachable blade, an eagle hawk knife. <laughs> I went through about four blades. I snapped <laughs> them in the joins. And yeah. I got it all off in the end, and, and it made a nice, made a nice job of it, but... Yeah, was, um, no, I was always there for an elk, and that's what yeah. I was. I kind of thought if I tag out and shoot an elk, I'll go and buy a beer tag, but uh, it wasn't till the last day. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Out, so. Or wait till you shoot a moose, then you'd be like, yeah, Fuck. I bet. Yeah, I'd actually <laughs> love to shoot a moose. Though, yeah. Uh, well, when we when we cut them up, we basically take the head skin off, or whatever, and then you take the limbs off one side, do all the meat on one side, and then roll it over yep. because you just can't shift them. Oh, I can imagine. Like, yeah, but the elk was true. big enough. I was, yeah. No, that's cool. So that'll become a, well, regular chip in some form. Hopefully, yeah. Just obviously, if the boss lets me in. Yeah, it's still got a fit, doesn't it? Yeah, so, but it's quite a neat hunt because it's September. Not a lot happening here, you know. It's kind of a nice mm-hmm. break. Like, I can not really finish hunting properly over here, June, July. So it's something you could probably do every second year even and, and make a big trip of it. The stags have lost their antlers normally by September here and there's not a lot going on hunting-wise, so... Um, it's kind of get back over there and all of a sudden it's like the roar again and bulls are screaming. Yeah, come back and it's daylight savings here. Yeah, yeah, and you can go and hunt and, and you're not stuck in a tent for five days and fuel and everything's <laughs> wet. In the rain, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fjordland still is Fjordland though, isn't it? Oh, it's an amazing like, experience. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think is. everybody's got to do Fjordland. Yeah, definitely. Just to know. But um, So nowadays, <clears throat> with that entrepreneurial sort of things, you are – the man behind, or one half of the team behind MIA tens. Yeah, yeah, myself and uh, Travis Brown. We've um, we started that oh about two years ago now. So just been kind of chipping away at it, and yeah, originally built a couple for myself, um, just for my guided hunts mainly, just doing tar hunts and stuff like that, and not being. A, I didn't. I'm not a big fan of staying at huts. Um, just find the hunting so much better if you can get away from them. Mm-hmm. So having one of those tents, I did look at buying one from the States and having it brought in, but by the time, it just didn't work out cost-wise. So I was like, yep. I'll build a couple and just see how they go, and I'll use them for my hunts. And um, kind of grew from there, really. A few people were keen, mates were keen to use them, and people saw them and been able to dry gear and have hunters use them, and kind of, yeah, thought I'd make a few more. No, it's, they're cool, man. Like, obviously, in the Canada side of things, like we've used them or something similar you know, and it's it's amazing the difference. Like people still sort of, there's probably a real shift now because you've obviously been successful, but people don't understand fires and tents. <laughs> like <laughs> that sort of yeah. doesn't go together. And then, but the ability to, like you say, be warm, even if it's only like um, what we'd call the cook shack, but, you know, even if it's just like the hub and you're still, because by the time you get into your sleeping bag and go to sleep, you're yeah. kind of warm anyway, like, or yeah. you're warm enough. But, that whole, like when you get to sort of winter hunting here in New Zealand, other than in the nice country where you can handle it, you kind of got to be off that five or six o'clock. So it makes for some pretty long eating, especially if, if your day has been largely glassy, not so much yeah. walking a shit done. Then it's quite nice to be able to sit around and have a bullshit in front of the fire. And It just adds, um, what I found was like, it just added such a, a whole other angle to the hunt and 
people being able to sit around like you say and have a yarn and sink a few beers and yeah. and talk about the day rather than otherwise like you say you're you were, I was, you'd be in bed at seven you'd you'd get back to camp eat your dehigh yeah yeah everyone hops in their sleeping bag oh I'll see you at seven in the morning I can't sleep twelve hours yeah 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 exactly you're up at two to yeah. take a piss no no so exactly. it was just kind of made sense and being able to dry gear was a big one a lot of the guys I found would be chasing tar and it'd be so cold their boots would be frozen in the morning and I just thought their morale was down a bit you know yep. and it's amazing what a fire does as you would know like it's just so good for morale coming back and knowing I actually people are like you don't want to leave the tent and it, it, it's actually true but uh, <laughs> you um, you, I find we go harder because we don't mind crossing the creek we don't mind getting wet we don't yeah, mind yeah, staying yeah, out you know, in the you rain start again. yeah because yeah. we know we'll get back and we'll just fire that fire up we'll have some steak for dinner or whatever and within half an hour you'll be cosy and happy yeah. you know and so you've got three models now, am I right? Uh, we've got two. Two? We've got a Westlander 2 and a Westlander 3. Um, and what was the, the big, big puppy? Oh, we haven't got that out oh, yet. Oh, sorry. But, um, yeah, no, <laughs> it, it will come. Yeah, yeah. We haven't given that a name yet. But, right. Um, yeah, that's a bloody big tent, that. Um, not really suited for hunting so much. It would be good for down the lake and stuff, but yeah, not so much for packability and putting it in the chopper. Choppers and, and stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, so the two and the three, yeah. Yeah, so the, and they're going well. Like, yeah, we've been really lucky. Good um, interest, in. I guess it's something you, no one's ever really done here. Yeah, um, certainly it was a niche at the time. Yeah, yep. yeah, like you say, like they're huge in North America. Um, and multiple companies over there selling them. Yeah, we were quite fortunate there, and and a lot of people have. Um, we we're quite lucky because we were doing a lot of hunting, so we could actually do a lot of testing first and kind of just find something that worked and saw we could pack and. Uh, made the, make the fire to suit and make sure it was going to be warm enough yeah. and um, yeah so our, our, the Westlander 2 is slightly more uh, aerodynamic tent that we suggest for more flying trips pa- uh, packs down a bit bit less than the big one and um, doesn't weigh as much obviously and a bit more yeah I th- but and then there's also like the the practical element of the fact that it's it probably adds a lot more safety to because it's sort of that explorative hunting is becoming a little bit more fashionable which probably means guys that aren't really suitable to do that kind of hunting or their gear isn't suitable to do that hunting yeah. can have, like you say, a warm base and stuff. So it's actually practically just a lot safer. And if they, at the end of the day, if they decide to spend the day there, yeah. that's probably yeah. safer than them going and trying to be something they're not. So I think for those um, bad weather days, <clears throat> excuse me, where um, you're snowed in or, or it's been pissing down and at least you can stand up. Yeah, and if yeah. And, and if you're doing multiple species or whatever, like it's have a quiet day after a successful bit, and yeah, we've had a few big nights on them. Eh? Yeah, I could imagine they're, they're good for that. Yeah, no, definitely good for that. Yeah, um, well, they're always like at the trade shows and stuff that I've seen them set up. They've always been really popular, and, and you actually did really well at the Mystery Creek. Yeah, which we, is our, I guess, which called our biggest agricultural show. Yeah, it's massive. Eh? Um, not sure on the numbers, but I think it's well over a hundred thousand. Yeah, we went up there and we actually got runner-up on a stand, um, best stand or something. We kind of winged it. I'm a sparky and Travis is a builder, so we just took a chainsaw and some nails and <laughs> whacked something up. But um, yeah, no, it was good. It was really good to get. It was a completely different demographic, really. Like you say, people were just like, you put a, a fire in a tent? What, you know, what yeah. the hell? But um, it was cool just to kind of get it out there and show people and make sell a few. And, yeah, no, it's good, eh? Yeah, no, so. they'll, they'll keep going good, man. Um, and you'll just like you're in the future. Like I guess you've got different ideas, and because you've yeah. just come up with a 
water boiler. Is that how you? Yeah, so we've got a, like a like a yeah, like a water heater. It's a water jacket heater, yeah. that goes on the flue, so you can still cook on top. But the heat that you'll normally lose anyway through mm-hmm. your flue out of the thing is is heating your water. So you've always got a cup of tea or do the dishes, and you don't have to chuck a billy on and wait an hour for it to boil and do your dishes. It's gonna three and a half liters, so you can just fill it up from the top. You don't need to take it off to fill it, and um, just trying to make things practical. Really, just it needs to work. So it's kind of you know what it's like when you're in the hills. You don't you got time and yeah, space to waste. Yeah. yeah, so you just. And I mean, you you don't need a hell of a lot when you're out there. No. You just need some water and a. But shelter. then some some creature comforts for for a term like do change the whole outcome of a trip. Be yeah. it non non related to animals, like just being warm and having good water and yeah. like being able to have a wash if you if that's what you're in. You know, like yeah. all those sorts of things matter a lot. But yeah, I find the fire is the biggest thing. Eh? Like it just. So I've, we've sold a few tents and people don't buy fires and, and they're like, oh, we haven't got one. And I'm like, man, this is the whole tent. Yeah, that's where you want the tent. Fire is the most important part. It makes such a difference. Um, just, yeah, being able to dry your boots after a big day and cook dinner on a fire. You don't have to take dehyde because you can actually cook a roast or yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. chuck some steak on or have yeah, a proper good, feed eh? and you don't have to worry too much about gas. And I think you've got to find wood, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I guess you can fly wood because you can... Fly more wood than you can gas nowadays. Yep, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I normally just cut up a well, some old tote battens off the farm and cut them up with the skill saw and chuck them in a sack and oh, a sack would last me probably four nights and it weighs probably ten kilo. You know? Yeah, yeah, and burns hot. Yeah, it burns real hot. And I'd go through half a dozen pieces a night once I get. Well, it's not a big fire. No, you're not, no. you're not burning a lot of wood. And because the steel's so thin, it's actually all of the heat transfers straight out of the fire into the tent. So you'll actually heat the tent off the kindling. So when you first light it. Not, not like with these big fires in your house that you've got to burn it for half an hour before the actual steel gets hot yeah. and then it radiates the heat. So um, they're yeah, good for that. We use all kinds of different fires in Canada, like flash-looking 44-gallon drums. Like we wouldn't yeah. be allowed them here, fucking building codes and stuff like yeah, that. But, but literally like one small handful of wood is all the hot. Everyone kicks the doors open after yeah. that. Like we're like, fuck, this is stupid. Yeah. That's and, where it ends up. Shorts yeah. and T-shirts, yeah. snowing outside. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's good fun though. It's good though, yeah. Back to hunting. What um what's Ben's on his hit list? What's your I guess your ambition hunt? Oh shit. I really want to shoot a big elk again. Yep. Well the one so I So you you'd was get okay, a but... you'd get a big one there? Like Yeah, or you get big for Idaho. Idaho's not known for big elk, but um I I really want to shoot one over the camera. Well public land, you know. I kinda said to myself I'd like something in the three thirty mark and I'd be really happy. But outside of that, obviously the stone sheep or something like that would be yeah. great, but, you know, you need a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, so, that yeah, I'd like to do that. I'd love to do something like a Marco Polo. That would be an awesome hunt. Or a moose, yeah. Kind of something in the mountains or something in a remote area like the northern the BC or northern Yukon BC, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, something about that adventurous stuff, eh? Yeah, it's kind of, to me, I, I kind of... It's not so much about the animal. I just would love to. Like when I went to the states, I kind of see, I'd, once I got there, I was like, man, I don't care if I shoot something. This is so cool. I'm hunting every day. I'm stalking animals all the time. I quite happily go home and, and not have killed an animal. It's a hard thing to scale because, like, I I get over to like so the Canada stuff, like the trip we just did, and like I walk for ten days and maybe see a sheep and yeah. love every day of it, like and fizz on it. It's completely explorative, like. And we got we got dropped off in a float plane, you know, and, then, and basically once you 
leave and start your walk, you've essentially got to complete the walk. There's no, there's no, I'll duck off this ridge and just go back to the track or, yeah. you know, like I just, I love that. It's, like a, it's, it's still, a great test mentally too, I think. Like you, it's great for resilience and kind of just kind of sticking at it, you know, and going, well, I've, I've got to rely on myself now, you know, like there's no one to kind of pull me out of yeah, the shit. Like oh, predators are always a small risk, but there's predators. There's yeah. only own injuries to yourself. Like I think, but I think it's um, you know, like no bravado intended. Like it's it's a true tester on uh, where am I going with this? Like how much of a hunter you are. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Like yeah, there's definitely. a lot of guys yeah. bracket themselves as hunters based on, and I'm not I'm not judging them at all how many easy deer they've shot yeah. you know versus somebody that and and here's an example of I was talking to my mate Ryan the other day about this and watching the latest Meat Eater series and he Steve Rinella shoots an elk slightly poorly and they can't find it and then another guy randomly hunting that area finds this dead elk so he knows that there's a hunter there looking for it so he starts looking for the hunters that are looking for this dead elk <laughs> right. calling out and they run into each other and I was explaining this to my mate here and he's like Fuck, that wouldn't happen here in New Zealand. I was like, no, because we don't. I don't even know if we appreciate the hunt. We we want the animals and we want them dead and we want the yeah. meat or whatever we're hunting. But I don't know if we appreciate the hunt. Whereas yeah. the the whole way the system works over there, this hunter was like, he came across this elk and he's like, oh my god, there's a hunter looking for this. He I'll go and find this hunter. Him, yeah, like that wouldn't happen. Yeah. There's a good chance, unfortunately, in New Zealand, if someone walked across a dead deer and it was a really good. Really, I'm like, fuck I'm taking that home I'll cut his head off <laughs> yeah. like, and it's, we'll check the backstakes yeah. I'm, I'm not being rude I'm not judging or whatever but it's just kind of like yeah it means like so they, much they, so they mean yeah, yeah yeah and they know that it's one or two animals a year and they know yeah. that they have to work hard for it and the reward is there and then they, they don't shoot small or rubbish partly because they legally can't but well, where we were in Idaho you could shoot anything oh you, you could like, yeah but that's just the state but but again, I don't think everybody was just shooting anything. Like uh, maybe on the last day, you might shoot a cow just for some meat because mm-hmm. that might be you done. But a lot of guys have kind of set themselves a target and say, "This is what I want," you know, and, and I'll just keep going till I get it. And eventually, it happens. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was a it was a really really cool place. I recommend it to any kid. And it's surprisingly so easy to do. Like yeah, yeah I've had lots of messages. Like, How do you do it? It sounds you know like well, you have to get a tag and what's that? And you know, it's it's really simple. Their fishing game is phenomenal. Their management, yeah. oh, their whole as you would administration know, administration like, management, yeah, it was they on just, point. Well, we arrived on a public holiday, and the, one of the staff members drove to a Burger King and gave us our tags. Really? She's like, "No, no, no, we want you to go. You know, get into it." We're like, "Oh, we can wait." And I'm like, "No, nah, no, nah, we'll see you at Burger King at this time, and um, we'll bring your tags." Amazing, eh? It's just yeah, it was really, really good. Yeah. Oh, Ben, man, that's um, that's been a good chat. So, how do I'll put some links on the the um podcast page but how do guys follow what you're doing now both as Big Game Hunter New Zealand your, your guiding side of things and the MIA stuff um, yeah so just probably on Instagram just I think it's Big Game Hunting NZ um, and MIA Gear is the other one and um, we're on YouTube well my Big Game Hunting stuff's on YouTube but to be honest I don't I haven't had a lot of time to do anything I've, I've filmed a heap of hunt so I just need to get around to editing them so. Instagram's probably the easiest place. Yeah, and just flick, flick your message and... Yeah, flick us a message or send a go on the website. Nah, all good, man. Sweet. All right. Cheers, mate. G'day. Thanks for listening to the Educated Hunter podcast. 
There are a number of ways you can connect with myself, Matthew Gibson, or my partner in crime, Curran Island, at The Educated Hunter. And the hub for all of this is our website, theeducatedhunter.com. Our Instagram page is at theeducatedhunter. Our website also has a spot where you can sign up for our newsletter that comes once every two weeks and is full of relevant information about hunting in New Zealand and around the world. And lastly, you can search out any of the episodes that we've done in the past and find the show notes on that episode. Other than that, thanks very much for listening and I hope you're having a good day wherever you are and your next hunting adventure is not too far away.